Remember, it was chapter 1 that Hebrews' author says, God has spoken to us in his Son. You know, we've come a long way. We're in chapter 10. We've come a long way from chapter 1. And I trust that during this Hebrews series, you'll keep reading Hebrews. I don't know how many times I have read through the whole book during this series, but it's been good for me to review and just cycle back around through. God has spoken to us in his son in these last days. Chapter 2, do not neglect so great a salvation. Don't just treat it as something that is just cheaply or given to you free. You know, when we talk about salvation being free, no, it's not free. Somebody paid for it at a very, very great price. Chapter 3, consider Jesus as a son, the relationship of Jesus to the Father. That is what we desire to emulate in our lives, our relationship with the Father. That's what we have inherited in Jesus Christ. And he was counted worthy, and may we as well in him be counted worthy. Chapter 4, be diligent to enter into his rest. What does that mean? Just kicking back? No. In faith, walking out what he has for you when you get up on Monday morning and you got to go to work. you got to do what is demanded of you and you rest in him. And you find his rest in him. Not from striving, but in just laying back in his arms and say, whatever you have for me this week, I will walk it out in rest. Not in striving, but in rest. Believing in him. Jesus is designated as our high priest because he qualified where we didn't. Chapter 6, the oath. And what was that oath? That God swore by himself because there was no other one higher. Nothing higher than him swearing on himself. He has an oath that he has given us. A better covenant like Melchizedek and this mysterious person whom we see as the very person of Jesus Christ coming, demonstrating himself long before Bethlehem and being a kingly priest, which was incongruent for the Jewish people to conceive of, that a king could become a priest. But Jesus embodied this as a kingly priest for us after the order of Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace. And then comparing the old covenant with the new covenant. And we are living in the new covenant. Last week, I gave an illustration of a shadow and reality. I was using that as an illustration of how a shadow can cast itself so far and that really the shadow that we're talking about in the Old Testament is the shadow of the cross because God 
is before us as light. And his light is hitting that cross and it puts a shadow all the way back to Adam. Did you understand that last week? Yes, (laughs) some people caught it. And so that light, we are living in the reality because we're walking in the light of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament people, they didn't have that. All they had was these animals that they were killing and looking forward. And there was a promise. But they didn't know exactly what it was. Wow, they were people of faith. We think we've got it better because, yes, and we do, because of Jesus. And we're much better than they. No, no, we're all on the same basis of faith in Jesus Christ. Whether we're living in the reality side of the cross or they were living in the shadow of the cross. It was all pointing forward, all pointing forward of what God at the right time sent his son for all of us. We're looking to Jesus. He's the one that we're patterning after. Since we have confidence, Hebrews 10, 19, 25. Let's read that. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Since we have confidence, and this is our outline, first point, let us draw near. And these are all the let us in there. There was three of them that we just read. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider how to. You know, we're in an age of, you want to find out about something, where do do you go? We have so much at our fingertips these days. And we are a how-to kind of generation, worldwide, global. And so we have some how-to right here with us this morning. Let us consider how-to. We'll find out what those how-tos are. And then our conclusion. Father, we ask for your blessing on this message this morning. Pin it to our hearts as your word, not mine, but speak by your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The author is very sure of the reality aspect of his writings. He's announcing and instructing his readers that the shadow of the cross is past, and now we're walking in full light and revelation of Christ's completed work. And so now he's come to the word, therefore, brethren. And, you know, ladies, please don't feel slighted by the fact that he just says brethren, because he sees 
you as ladies and we as men as one. Marriage is a very incredible institution that shows us exactly what God had in mind for us as human beings. And the fact that he made male and female shows the completeness, the fulfillment of who God is. And so being at now and Tomoko's wedding last week just kind of fixed that in my mind again. Here they're becoming one. They are the image and the idea of what God had in mind for us as human beings. And so in our completeness, it's not just because we're married, but it's because we are together brothers and sisters. And you know that there were many, many women who followed Jesus. But because of the mores, the rules, the understanding that the Jewish community and tradition had, it's to brethren. That is not bad. That is not bad. That is not bad. You know why I say that three times? To get that out of our mind. That we think that is prejudice. That is not right. And that is what the enemy hates today. We have transsexual. We have this mixing and saying it's not fair to us as women. It is fair. It's the fairest way if we accept God's way. And that's the whole premise or that's the whole place of coming to rest and understanding. Not that you as a woman are down below. No, we're together side by side fulfilling God's purposes in our life. And you as women are a picture of what God had in mind for us as human beings and part of this world of his completeness. Now, why don't you go to Katie's seminar uh, at the end of this month, the uh, five aspects of women. She can tell it much better than I can. So I'll just leave that point and go back on to Therefore is a key word that the author uses here in Hebrews. Did you know that this is the 14th time that the author of Hebrews in 10 chapters writes the word therefore? Do you know what he's been doing with our minds? He's taken us through a process, a logical process, bringing us through argument after argument after argument to conclusions. He's a lawyer, really, and he's bringing us to the understanding that there are a lot of suppositions, but there are those premises that we need to develop and to understand what the Christian life is all about. And as we've told you before, in Hebrews, they were a church much like we are, foreigners together, mostly Hebrew, but they were living in a society which was Gentile, that the Gentiles had the power and the influence. And they were coming close to the end of a new era. 
they were right at the beginning of the what we call the age of the Gentiles, when it was shifting from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And that is what he's trying to do, help them to make the shift. And we have to do that as well, to really understand God's overall plan of salvation and why we start in creation in Genesis. By the way, one thing that I would like to encourage you if you are starting a Bible study here in Japan, yes, John is a great gospel, talks about Jesus. Mark is a great gospel because it's short and it's precise. But I think the most effective evangelistic gospel you can use, and I think I've said this before, is the gospel of Genesis. We've got to start there, here in Japan, to bring us all the way forward to understand the whole premise and the whole thinking and and the ideas that support our Christian faith. I can't be too strong in, in saying that. If you're wanting to start a Bible study, particularly a small Bible study, with somebody who's had no contact with Christianity and really wants to understand, begin at least at least in the first chapters of Genesis to give that basis for them to understand, oh, that's the God you're talking about, the creator God. And it's not just one of the thousands of gods that are out there. But the Bible is logical. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, That is a premise. We have that, and we've talked about that. He's talked about it, and he's underlining that premise again. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the basis of where it all begins. None of us can go to the Father. None of us can approach a holy God. And by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. You know what? In the tabernacle, there was a veil. In the temple, there was a veil. What happened to that veil? At Jesus saying, it is finished, that veil was torn from top to bottom, split, signifying the veil is gone. We have full access to the covenant, and to God himself. That was the picture. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold. And his flesh, Hebrews says, the author of Hebrews, is through the veil. That is his flesh. That's what he was pointing to. That's what Jesus was talking about. I am the door. And I've heard this illustration, and I think it's probably quite true, that in the sheepfolds, the protection around a sheepfold, the shepherd would bring his sheep at night and put them into a rock hedge or fence around where he was going to keep the sheep so that no animals could come in and grab one of them. 
there was only one door. Actually, there wasn't a door. Just an opening, a narrow opening. But the shepherd would lie down in front of that opening so that no animal could come in and grab one of the sheep. The enemy had to go through the shepherd in order to get the sheep. That's what this is talking about. And up to the cross, only one man, and he was being changed every time he died, he was being changed to the next one that would be the high priest. They were just a representative of Jesus Christ. And that veil was a picture of the protection. Protecting who? Protecting us from the holiness of a God and protecting God from the vileness of us. And Jesus, when he says, I am the door of the sheepfold, he was saying, I lie down in front and give my life for you as the door. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says, that is the premise that we can go forward now with the rest of Hebrews, which speaks then to us of all of those who went before, who were in the shadow, who actually embraced the reality. They looked beyond the cross. All those in the Old Testament looked beyond the cross. It says, let us draw near. Psalm 24, 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. We have to come to the Lord in the same manner, not the same context, but the same manner or attitude that they came when they were presenting their sacrifice and when the high priest was presenting that to the Father. We come through Christ with a sincere heart, a true heart, a heart open to God and saying, search me, O God, and see that there be no wicked way in me. We have to come that way. And so we come that way in the sense of, you have given us Jesus Christ, the Lamb, and you're calling us to draw near. And we can. And other scripture says, we draw near, he draws near to us. And so it's a meeting together at that place, at the point of recognizing the offering and the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ for the redemption of our souls, for the cleansing from sin. That is what we have. That's the picture. And so he says, get that. Let us draw near with a sincere heart with full assurance, without any doubt, with knowing that what God has promised, he has promised and sworn already. We have that. Don't say, well, someday, someday, someday. No, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it's not someday, it is now day. It is immediate. That's where we need to live our lives as Christians. And there are things that come at us where we just feel like this is, 
futile. This is, I just don't feel like a Christian this morning as I woke up. It's not based on that. It's based on his word that we have full assurance as we come before him. Our hearts sprinkled, our bodies washed. We talked about Moses sprinkling the blood on all of the articles in the uh, tabernacle. And then he sprinkled it on the people. That's what the writer of Hebrews is kind of reviewing for us. That's the premise that we have been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb. And our bodies washed. And I think the writer of Hebrews is making this very special reference of our bodies being washed because I believe that baptism, water baptism, is very important to us as believers. It's a demonstration of what God has done in our lives. And if you're not baptized yet, we would encourage you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, to be baptized, to go through that physical expression of our faith, uh, of that physical manifestation of going down into the water and being raised up a new creature. It's an act showing the rest of the believers, I'm with you. I'm one of you as we've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our bodies have been made clean by his forgiveness and his washing of his word. So let us hold fast. And this is a little bit different to the song that we sung. But you know what? It's we holding fast and he's holding fast to us. It's a two-way deal. And we let go and God says, well, if you want to go and wander away, suffer the consequences. And sometimes he just lets us go. Which parent has not done that? Which of us as parents? We need to be aware that it's a two-way street. In other words, we hold on to him and he just really holds us. In fact, not just us, but all that is around us. He's got control of that. It's our confession. How many of you have quoted the Apostles' Creed? Okay, let's do this. I've got it on the screen. Some of the words may be a little strange to you, but this is an ancient, ancient declaration of what the believers back in 380 AD. So this is as old as the canonization of Hebrews, okay? So I'm going to ask you to please stand. And I uh, hope you can see the screen. The Apostles' Creed, and we'll recite it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, buried, died, and buried, and he descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven 
He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Some churches quote this at least once a month. Some of them every Sunday. Our confession is very, very important. What we believe, who we think we are in Christ is very important. It affects us more than you think. And with the bombardment that we have of multimedia, we need something like this even more in our day and age to be reminded. I think it's important. Holding fast to our confession because of his promise. And his promise is like what? We have a promise that is like a anchor for the soul. And where is it? It's within the veil. It's behind the veil. Who is the veil? Jesus. He's the door. He's the gate. And that promise is secure in him. Wow. That's what we hang on to. That's what we hold to. Let us consider how to. And how to is very important, as I've said. First of all, to stimulate one another. You know what this word means? Stimulate. This word really means to provoke. (laughs) To provoke. That's to poke somebody and say, listen, you know, John 3.16 says, or you know what this Bible verse says? Well, you're always quoting those things for me and it makes me feel bad. I'm trying to provoke you. I'm trying to stimulate you. So that you'll say, okay, okay, I'll do what you say. It means to provoke. I was watching a family the other day on the train. Sitting across from me was a mother who's a pretty big boy, probably about eight or nine, and he fell asleep. They were sitting right across the seat from us. So I just had noticed then that she was poking her son. I I assume it was her son. And he was just, he must not have slept all night. He must have stayed up watching TV or something. But anyway, he was just like this. and, And finally she got him awakened. And then she got up and she walked down to the next set of seats and shook a man there. And he was, it must have been dad. And here's this mother, a provoking mother, because they then woke up and they got out and they walked out the train and were at home, I guess. Both of them had fallen asleep and they were both sound asleep. Well, that's what it takes sometimes to wake people up because there are people who have forsaken assembling together. Again, this word forsaken, do you know what it means? It means to desert, 
not dessert uh, like ice cream, but to abandon, to run away from, to separate yourself from. He's saying, don't abandon. Don't desert the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters together. We need each other to be able to build one another up in the faith. Encouraging one another. Let us consider how to. Encouraging one another. You know, we need to be careful about our words and what we say to each other, how we say it. I'm just as guilty as anyone. To be able to really encourage people. People need to be encouraged. They need to be built up. That's what we should be doing with one another, is building one another up in the faith. Do you know what I read in my Bible today? I want to just share with you. Jesus is so wonderful. This is what he showed me about himself. Or I'm praying for you. Thank you for praying for me. I'll pray for you. Those are the kind of ways that in which we can encourage one another in the faith. Actually, encouraging also has a very deep meaning, I think. I'm not a Greek scholar, as you know. And yet, this word encouragement is the name of one of the persons of the Godhead. Who do you think it might be? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Helper. The alongside one. He's the encourager. He's the one who comes and encourages us. When we're doing something not too good, he's speaking to our conscience, to our hearts, and saying, walk in my ways. Walk in the ways of the Lord. And you get that conviction. That's an encouragement. If you're doing something wrong, you want to be corrected and be able to walk in the right way. Let's conclude. It's past time. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. (laughs) The conclusion is very simple. And actually, we're going to spend a whole sermon next week on the conclusion. All the more as you see the day drawing near. I think we are getting very, very, very close to the coming of Jesus Christ again. No, I don't know when it will be, but I'm pretty sure the signs are all there. Everything's coming together as it has never been before in the history of the world. We are totally bonded together through media, communications, travel. I think the day is near. Is that the day he's talking about? What is the day? What does he mean? All the more as you see the day approaching. Let's talk about it next week. And that's the bait for coming to church (laughs) next week. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the writer of Hebrews who has been blessing us.
and it's by the Holy Spirit who has encouraged us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.